Take your Bibles and let's open to the book of Jeremiah. It's in the Old Testament. It's a big book. So just kind of aim towards the middle. I'll bet you can hit it. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets of the Bible. He's major because we have more of his sermons and his writings and what happened with him than with anybody, uh, some of the other prophets. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel are considered the major prophets because you can see because of the size of their books. Turn to chapter 20. We'll begin reading in verse 7. We'll read through verse 18. This is the context. The prophet Jeremiah has proclaimed the word of the Lord and he has been met by Pashur, the temple priest, and who did not like what he said, who took him and had him beaten and put in stocks overnight. And then he let him go. This is what Jeremiah then prays to the Lord after that experience. O Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, Perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? May God bless to our understanding the reading of this is holy word. Amen. There are times in the life with God when efforts fail, when disappointments increase and our emotions just kind of begin to crumble under it all. And it becomes hard to think and hard to function and we just come to a point of overwhelming frustration and we kind of lose it with God. We call this having a meltdown. When the challenges and the burdens just seem to be piling up and we just wonder if we trust God and we begin to ask ourselves, you know, does God really love me? Does he even care 
about me? Does he know how hard things are for me right now? St. Teresa of Avila lived in the 16th century, and she had her share of spiritual challenges and sufferings. And She once prayed this. Dear Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it is no wonder you have so few. Now, if we have a meltdown, it doesn't disqualify us from God's love. Meltdown doesn't mean we don't have any faith. And it doesn't mean that we can't be used by God. Because meltdowns can be part of living the life of faith. Think of Moses and Elijah. We've already seen them the past two weeks. Great giants of the Bible. Very faithful, strong men. But you know what? They didn't always keep it all together. Sometimes even the biggest. Sometimes even the best. Get to the breaking point. Just say, I can't take it anymore. And Jeremiah is another one of those. Now, Jeremiah had a clear and precise calling from the Lord. Now, everyone wants a calling from the Lord. This is whatever it is, this sense that God has called me to, to something to do for him. And if, boy, we say, if, if, if we only had a calling, I'd be significant. And then my life would be fulfilling and everything would be great for me. Well, first of all, when, when we are faithful to what God wants us to do, it is true. There can be a tremendous amount of fulfillment in that. Second, you know, maybe where you are right now and what you are doing is exactly where God wants you and where he has called you. You know, callings come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Sometimes our view is that God will call us to something that fits our desires, that fits our egos. And so we wait for this right thing to come along. And we wait and we wait and we wait. And that's why so many Christians are standing on the sidelines instead of spending themselves out on the playing field for Christ. Sometimes you have to get out there. But third, God doesn't always call us to what is easy. But sometimes what he calls us to is very hard. We might be called to care for an elderly parent. Or we might be right now, and maybe for a long time, a parent of a struggling teenager. Or maybe God calls us to lead a Bible study, and he calls us to take part in some kind of ministry, or to serve somebody in need. But it might be one of the most difficult things that we have ever done. And it just might even bring pain. It might bring hurt. It might bring tension. Read between the lines of God's word, and you find this message. Beware of callings. Oh, you want a calling? I'll give you a calling. Now, Jeremiah was called by the Lord to be a prophet of, to Israel. And, and Jeremiah's calling, it's one of the great callings of the Bible. It just, you just think this guy's going to go on to greatness because the Lord speaks to Jeremiah. He says, I knew you from the womb. I've chosen you. I've had my, head, my hand upon you from, from before you were even born, Jeremiah. And he promises to always be with him. He says, Jeremiah, you will not be overcome. And even, he says, if people oppose Jeremiah, the Lord will defeat them and will rescue Jeremiah. Wow, how great that I get to be used by the Lord, Jeremiah must have thought. So he began to preach. And the messages that, that the Lord gave to Jeremiah, they were hard messages. They were about Israel's rebellion. He was supposed to preach about their sin. He was supposed to preach about their unfaithfulness. 
And Jeremiah would stand at the temple every day or most days as people were going in and out and he would preach. And he would preach about how Jerusalem and this temple someday is going to be destroyed and how the nation was going to be taken over and how everybody was going to be carried away into captivity and be slaves. Jeremiah had to preach some tough stuff. And of course, it wasn't all well received. People didn't like to hear this kind of thing. People never liked to hear that they might not be as in line with God as they thought they were. Uh, We want our ways, we want our lifestyles affirmed. We want soothing and comforting messages. And you know what? Things didn't go well for Jeremiah. Surprise. People didn't like him. Uh, He got threats. They told him to get lost, go away. And after a few years, this all begins to get to Jeremiah. And he asks the Lord to notice all that he is suffering for him. And he prays for the Lord to notice his loneliness. And in the 15th chapter... He prays this. Why is my pain unending and my wound is grievous and incurable? Will you, being the Lord, will you be to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails? Jeremiah wants to know why his ministry isn't more successful and why does it have to be so hard? And the Lord goes on to tell Jeremiah this. He says, I'll tell you what, I don't, you, you keep preaching those hard messages and now I don't want you to get married or have children. And furthermore, he tells Jeremiah not to even pray for the people anymore. And he says, don't go to any funerals or show anybody any sympathy. And sure as heck, don't go to any feasts and have any fun. Because he wants the people to know how seriously they have alienated the Lord by the way that they have lived. Well, then the Lord tells Jeremiah this. He says, he tells him to go take a jar, a a large ceramic jar of of that time. And he says, you take that jar and you call all the elders of the temple with you and you take them out. And Jeremiah was to, as he did, he smashed that jar in front of him, broke to pieces. And then he was to preach a sermon about how that was what was going to happen to the elders and the temple and Jerusalem for their unfaithfulness to God. Well, you can imagine how that went over. And when Pashur, the priest and the CEO of the temple, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he has Jeremiah beaten and he's put in the stocks for everyone to see. Jeremiah suffers deep physical suffering and deep social alienation. And he is humiliated and he can't take it anymore. And that is when he has a meltdown before the Lord. And he prays in chapter 20, that first verse we read, verse 7. Oh, Lord, you deceived me. And I was deceived. And you overpowered me and prevailed. Now that word deceived is an important word. It means to be enticed. Uh, It means to be seduced. Like a woman would seduce a man or a man would seduce a woman. There's kind of an edginess to this word. It means to be led astray, deceived. To be led astray. One place in the Old Testament, it's even used of rape. It's a very strong word. And uh, Jeremiah is saying to God, you know, you pushed me into this and I let you do it. And he feels that God has taken advantage of him. He feels seduced. He feels enticed. He feels, he feels violated. And Jeremiah proceeds to tell the Lord that 
he has been ridiculed now and he has been mocked and that he faithfully proclaims the Lord's words. He gets nothing but insulted for it. And when he says he won't preach anymore, Jeremiah says God's word just starts burning in his heart and he can't hold it in and he can't help but preach it. It's like God has possessed him and is overwhelming him and everyone wants to see him fail. You know, Jeremiah's having a tough time trusting God. And the curious thing in the midst of this meltdown, maybe you caught it, he kind of changes his tone. Did you see how he begins to affirm how, oh, you know, but, but the Lord is a mighty warrior and the Lord's on my side and the Lord's going to get me through this and he will not let me be prevail. And he praises the Lord. And then there's this sense of hope and there's this sense of change and then there's a sense of confidence. But then in verse 14, he goes right back down into the pit and curse the day I was born. I wish I died in my mother's womb. Curse to be the person who brought the news of my birth. Whoa, this is a major meltdown. Now, many Bible scholars and academicians read this and they, they hear this radical change in the tone in this passage. And the academic explanations for why this is, is that, well, you know, verses 13 through 11 through 13 were added later. They were probably written by other editors to soften this whole thing. They might have come from a later community of Babylon. You know, I think they're wrong. I think this is exactly what Jeremiah prayed and where he was at. Because, you know, faith is often an up and down thing. It kind of goes experience by experience with us. And uh, sometimes we trust and we do so for a while. And then after a little while, we start kind of getting down in the dumps again into despair. Sometimes it's just in a matter of hours, sometimes over a matter of a few days. You know, we're back and forth, up and down, back and forth, up and down. I admit, I have a little bit of spiritual, uh, spiritual bipolar in me. I can be a little schizophrenic. Because there are days when I'm really trusting God and I sing his praise. And there are days where I just say, I wish you'd leave me alone. And you know what? You've done nothing good for me lately. Sometimes we say, well, maybe if I, maybe if I praise God through this, I'll get some perspective. And we try it. And then we say, all oh, the heck with it. And all of a sudden, we're right back down in the dumps again, aren't we? Jeremiah's meltdown, I think, models what many of us find in the life of trying to follow the Lord. Uh, that some, and, and would somebody please tell the academicians and the theologians this, that it is like this. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. Jeremiah feels isolated. He feels frustrated. He feels utterly conscious of how alone he is. And he is convinced he's a personal failure. And he's done what he was called to do, and he's being obedient to the Lord. No one's listening. No one's caring. In fact, he's paying a high price for what the Lord has told him to do. And Jeremiah now will go on to suffer death threats. He will have the scrolls of his sermons burned by the king. They will throw him into a cistern and hope that he dies down there. Then someone rescues him. But he's finally taken away as a captive in chains to Babylon with everybody else in the nation of Israel. And he will never see his home again. And we don't even know what eventually happens to Jeremiah. He just disappears with all the other exiles into captivity. Someone told me after the 830 service, it's true, at least Job, at least it ended good with him. Not with Jeremiah. You know, you read the life and the ministry of Jeremiah and it just, it never goes well. At least by human standards. He never succeeds. 
you know, when we do what we believe the Lord wants us to do, but we experience failure, we really wonder sometimes if we can trust the Lord. Or we wonder if the Lord isn't deceptive, enticing us into things that we thought would be so rewarding. Boy, we thought this ministry, we thought this commitment, oh, would be so fulfilling, but those things turned out to be really hard, and they even cost us. Uh, God might call us to something for hard for his sake. Uh, and we might serve the Lord in some capacity. And you know what? It wasn't all sunshine. It wasn't all roses. And there was no fruit. And it seemed to be little evidence of progress, maybe even filled with conflict, maybe even frustration. But we're doing exactly what we are to do because the Lord put us there because he knew, you know what? You're created for that. And you're the only person who could do that. And I know it's hard. And maybe it's unseen to us, but it's part of his plan. It's part of his purposes. But it's very easy to say, you know, I'll never do that again. I'll never serve you again, God, because I know what happened the first time. I can't trust you. Sometimes when we say that, what we really mean is, Lord, you're not seeing to my happiness. You're not making me happy. Sometimes the whole life of faith can just be one big exercise in trusting God, can't it? And we say, Lord, what is up with you? Or... The Lord calls us to something, and right away, even before we get it, we know this looks hard. It looks so steep, and we wonder, boy, can I trust God in this? Are you going to be there? Are you going to help me? Uh, seven years ago now, on a late summer day, Nancy and I were, were, were flown to Salt Lake City by the committee that was searching for a pastor at the time for this church, and it was a beautiful day. Salt Lake City just did its best, and got off the plane, and the, uh, some people met us and took us you know, around Salt Lake City and up into the mountains and here to Mount Owen. We got to see the church, and we got to visit with people. Uh, Judy Davis was on that team, and, and Dennis Wingy, and, and I don't know if anybody else is, is here that was on that team, but boy, I mean, we had a lovely visit. How could you not have a lovely visit with people like Judy and Dennis? And, 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 and it was a great day, and, and at the end of the day, we had, I think, a meal, and we visited out on the back of the wingies porch and beautiful overlooking the Salt Lake Valley and had a great time visiting with the people. And then they took us to the airport and um, we got to the airport and Nancy was pretty quiet. And then we got on the plane and we flew back to our home and she didn't say anything. And I knew something was up. Now, can I just say this? Don't take it the wrong way, but Nancy's never quiet like that. And, uh, you know, she's the one on the planes who knows all three people sitting around the area. And I'm the one with the sign that says, don't bother me. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> she's totally quiet. She's looking out the window. She's never like this. I know something is wrong, and I also know I shouldn't ask. We get off the plane, get in our car, drive home. It's quiet all the way home. And uh, all that week... I think Nancy and I, after that meeting, I think we had a sense we're probably being called to this place. But she wasn't sure if she liked that. We weren't looking to come to Utah. We weren't expecting to come to Utah. And we weren't sure if we wanted to come to Utah. But was God calling us? And all that week, every day, Nancy was in tears. And she doesn't break down a lot. She's a pretty strong woman. If you know. Every day, I, I'd come home and she's crying. She's bawling on the couch, talking to her best friend on the phone. And I knew not to say a word. 
Well, you can get the lowdown from her directly. She's, she's here. But I think part of the struggle, at least in my interpretation, part of it was the question if God could be trusted. What's going to happen to us? What dangers, what, what darkness awaits us if, if we do this? And by the way, you know, our ministry has been a lot better than Jeremiah's. Uh, I haven't been beaten or put in stocks. I haven't been thrown in a cistern. My life hasn't been threatened yet. And uh, it just never went well with Jeremiah. But following the Lord doesn't come with a guarantee that life will always be smooth or that will always be successful, at least by worldly standards. And we see in Jeremiah, I think, an example a, a, a prefiguring of the words that Jesus would come and speak and that he would say to all of us, any who would follow him. When he said, if anyone would come after me, that person must deny himself or herself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his my life from for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? and yet forfeit their soul. Kathleen Norris, great writer, happens to be a Presbyterian Christian, but in her book, The Cloister Walk, she writes of her reading of Jeremiah and, and, and how Jeremiah reminded her, reminded me, that the pain that comes from one's identity that grows out of the response to a call can't be escaped or pushed aside. It must be gone through. And Jeremiah just had to go through it, apparently. If we go through the pain of whatever God calls us to, and no, it's not easy, we might find we actually save our lives. We actually find our lives. And that's the mystery, and that's the experience of the cross. That's the mystery of the cross. And Jeremiah goes through great turmoil, and he goes through great frustration, and he ends up in despair. But despair which we often see as an enemy of faith, may really fulfill a spiritual purpose. It brings a kind of self-awareness, and we come to the end of ourselves, and we come to the beginning of God. Now, I'm not saying to go out and seek despair, and certainly if we're despairing, we don't want to stay there. But when it comes, it can push us to God, which, you know what, that's exactly the place we need to be. Because when we come to the end of ourselves, then we find our true identity as children and as disciples of Jesus and of the Lord. Jeremiah, he's very skeptical if he can trust God any longer, and he lets God have it. Lord, you have deceived me. But, you know, isn't his anger an indication of his faith? Believers argue with God. Skeptics argue with each other. Maybe Jeremiah didn't have success in the eyes of the world. But he knew exactly and he was where God wanted him to be. Jeremiah might have had to go through a lot, but he was faithful to what the Lord called him to. Jeremiah, you can't accuse him of wasting his life. And you know what? They never did break him. They never did break him. Though at one point he despaired and even cursed his own life. In losing his life for God, he was actually finding it, saving it. He wasn't taken out, but he walked on and he kept going.
going. You know, a lot of life of faithfulness to Jesus Christ, if it is really lived well, is not always going to be easy. We may have a meltdown, or two, or three. And the only way the pain and the frustration and the despair is going to be bearable is by viewing it in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. Elizabeth Elliot, the missionary, once said, it's a long road, and it is a long road to understand the love of God through our own suffering. Oh, isn't it, though? It's a long road. And any person who's committed themselves to Christ travels that road. And when things are hard or they don't go the way we want, we wonder, can I trust you, God? Will this turn out okay? And God doesn't promise that there will never be any cost. And he never says that it's always going to be safe for us. And he never promises we will not be hurt, maybe. But he does promise to be with us. To keep us in his love. And to be our strength. And when we keep walking, we learn that he is faithful. That he is watching out for us. And that he will give us his life. Let's pray. Lord, Jeremiah gives us much to reflect on. When it's hard, we wonder if we can trust you. For those of us who have times have felt deceived by you, not that that was the reality, but we felt that way, Lord, we ask you would help us as we wrestle with you in that. That your purposes are never to harm us, but they're for good. And that you see the good, Lord, better than we do. You have larger purposes. You have plans, Lord, that you have for us. So help us to put our hand in yours and to walk wherever it is that we have to walk in the way of the cross and the way of Jesus, knowing, Lord, that you are always with us. Thank you that when we do melt down, you don't reject us, you don't condemn us, you know how it is. We pray this and offer this prayer and praise you and sing to you in Jesus' name.